Family, let's go ahead and welcome uh, to deliver the word this morning, Nate Salinas. Come on in, Nate. Well, good morning and uh, exciting, exciting times as we head into this, as Joel said, this, uh, I guess, engagement period. I do want to mention that Joel has not actually given me a ring, so I don't know how, <laughs> how serious that actually is in his mind, so... I think Beyonce gave us a word of, of wisdom on this. So, um, But anyways, dad jokes out of the way. Uh, I want to give us a quick intro this morning uh, before we head into our scripture from Psalm 139. Uh, I want to remind us that we are intentionally listening in, listening in this season uh, as the spirit is leading access forward in transformation, in health, and in justice. And these are the specific priorities for 2021 that we uh, intend to kind of grow and to listen and to be driven and led by the Spirit. And so we're starting this year uh, by naming specifically the foundational uh, disciplines that facilitate this kind of growth. And so Pastor Joel kicked us off two weeks ago on a five-week series following uh, Pastor Rich Villados's book, uh, The Deeply Formed Life. And he breaks that up into five chapters and foundational practices of contemplative spirituality, racial reconciliation, self-examination, sexual wholeness, and missional uh, presence. And so we are two of the five weeks through that. Pastor Joel has done those those first uh, two. And this morning, we're going to be taking a look at the third uh, element of that self-examination. And so here at Access, as a part of our commitment to health, we want to hold these and specifically self-examination with humility and gentleness. So none of this is in a coercive or controlling or manipulative way, but in a patient and trusting way, choosing to believe that the Holy Spirit will lead us in God's timing and God's way. And so with all these practices, the topics are simply too broad and too deep for us to be comprehensive in one single morning or one single topic. But we want all of these to be a continuing conversation for us And I and we trust that the Holy Spirit will guide us and speak to us in that modality. And so this morning, I humbly pick up these themes with the specific topic, as I mentioned, of self-examination. Diving in, what is self-examination? How how do we practice it? Is it is it is it safe if I'm you know, if I'm if I'm nervous about me in my life? And so let's start by reading Psalm 139, a psalm from David as he practices a little of self-examination himself. He says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. And you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too lofty. Sorry, I lost my thought. Too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light 
become night around me, even the darkness will not be too dark for you. The night will shine like the day. The darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent, and your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so this morning as we dive in to talk about self-examination, self-exploration, becoming aware of our own feelings and our own anxieties and leading those to confession, I want to open actually with my own um, confession. And I realized as I was preparing for this sermon this week, you know, uh, Pastor Joel and I were talking and I, I kind of narrowed in on Psalm 139 that I wanted to, to use to explore this idea of self-exploration, self-examination. And as I went to look at this scripture, it's, you know, it's 24 verses And I realized that I came upon this spot at the end of it where, you know, verses 19 through 22 is is pretty intense, right? It's like, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. Do I not hate these people? You know I hate these people. And so I intentionally cut that out. And we're going to do 1 through 18 and then 23 through 24 because I'm like, oh, you know, I I don't want them to have to sit with these words. I, I don't have time to unpack them. And I realized in preparing for this self-examination sermon and examining myself, I was anxious about protecting you all from David's emotions, right? From David's rage, from David's anger. I'm like, oh, this is church. You know, we, we shouldn't do rage. We shouldn't do anger. And so I omitted David's anger and, and, and his emotional work of being angry at these people who had really caused him a lot of trauma and, and problems. And so I, as I realized that, I'm like, no, we're going to reintroduce these verses back into it, and I'm going to allow you to deal with David's anger and rage, even knowing that it's probably not of God that he wants to slay and cut, cut the heads off of his adversaries. But I trust this morning as we examine that we can deal with that anger without becoming anxious and insecure on our own. And so as we dive into this topic of self-examination, the book of Psalms is littered with language of soul searching and interior examination. And so when we unpack the words of Psalm 139 from David this morning, if we believe God to be angry and 
heavy-handed, these are very scary words, if you think about it. They seem like the words of a stalker, right, of an abusive person. And many of us may have grown up in situations of heavy-handed parents or mentors or in churches where the boundaries and the rules were policed very carefully to the point that it made you scared that God might actually know and see your every move. That would be a scary thing. And so we committed ourselves to hiding. We ignored and began burying our feelings for reasons of survival. And some of us, even to the point that we don't understand the level to which our feelings, our fears, and our anxiety are driving us in our daily lives and relationships. So we're acting on these things, and we leave them unexamined. And so we again look to the words of Psalm 139 to make this point, and it says, You discern my going out and my lying in, God. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are also there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, you're there. If I settle on the far side of the sea, you know my thoughts there also. And so if this is not somebody that we trust, then these sounds these sound like the fear of someone who is stalking them. <laughs> but not so for David. And it has to be clarified. David basks in the idea that God knows more about his thoughts than he does. God knows why he is doing the things that he does. God understands the wounds and pain out of which David operates. He knows David's sin more intimately than David does, whether David is honest about it or not. And I think this is important, but this is not something that leaves David undone and fearful. Instead, David sees it as good news. He thinks God knows my sin. And spoiler alert, if you haven't read the totality of the Bible, I want to mention of which David has many very serious sins and abuses that I don't minimize. So the purpose of this is not to minimize or downplay what David does throughout the text. But God is not anxious about these sins. It doesn't mean he doesn't care about them, but he's not anxious about these sins as he deals with David. God is not waiting to pounce and punish. God is waiting to be invited into this space. And David, who is known as a person after God's own heart, is very good at this. Even though there are many other things that David is not good at. But in verses 23 and 24, he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way that is everlasting. And so David says in this intimate space with God, reveal the anxiousness and systems that I operate out of that I am not even aware of. Bring those problematic things to my consciousness. Make me aware of the ways that I sin and lie to myself. Make me aware of the ways that I hurt people and do not even know that I am doing so. So David brings this to God because he desires this feedback because he desires this feedback that will help him lead to freedom and wholeness. 
So that brings us to the goal this morning. I think it's important to know and understand, like, what, what is the goal of all this? As we read Pastor Rich's book, the goal of self-examination is not to become overly preoccupied with every feeling and emotion and every fleeting thing that comes, but to work towards freedom. Freedom from destructive thought patterns. Freedom from inner messages and the way that we wrongly perceive things and lie to ourselves. And this is not, and I think that this is really important, it needs to be clarified based on the patterns that we come out of, this is not intended to be a perpetuation of shame culture. I know and acknowledge that many of us may have come out of heavy-handed backgrounds where the weight of sin was thrust on us, uh, was, was thrust on, onto people with heavy shame towards kind of behavioral control. That is not self-examination. That's not what we're talking about this morning. I want to separate from that. In self-examination, we open ourselves to the ways that we might not be being honest with ourselves. Ways that we are not honest with others because we fear they can't handle it. Ways that I am causing destruction in relationships or accepting destructive relationships that I don't even realize I'm doing it. In self-examination, we pay special attention to our feelings and where those may have formed from and the ways that they might actually be driving us. And unfortunately for believers, I think in our culture, many avoid the path of self-knowledge because they are afraid of being swallowed up into their own abyss. I say this with good news, but Christians can have confidence that Christ has lived through all the abysses of human life and that he goes with us when we dare to engage in sincere inspection of ourselves. Because God loves us unconditionally. Along with our rough sides, along with our difficult sides, we don't need to dodge ourselves for God. In the light of this Love, the pain of self-knowledge can be, at the same time, the beginning of our healing. And so Adele Calhoun, in a book that I really love on spiritual disciplines, she defines the practice of self-examination this way. She says, it's a process by which the Holy Spirit opens my heart to what is true about me. This is not the same thing, she says, as neurotic shame-inducing self-inventory. Instead, it is a way of opening myself to God within the safety of divine love so I can authentically seek transformation. Confession embraces Christ's gift of forgiveness and restoration while setting us on the path to renewal and change. And so this is the invitation for all of us this morning. That God's intrusion, that the invitation of God's intrusion is not a threat, but instead a means of grace. And so Pastor Rich Villados thoughtfully gives us four areas that I want us to consider that we can do some deep self-examination. I'll be brief with these. So, so that we can become more aware of some things that drive us. And so he invites us to consider our families of origin. What are the scripts? What are the traumas? 
what are the patterns that I operate in that I've developed from my families of origin that I don't even realize that others might do it differently than that or have had different experiences, different patterns, different traumas that they operate out of. Are there ways that dysfunction became so normalized that I can't even see it? So the goal of self-examining our families of origin is not to be really hard on our parents or brothers and sisters or aunts and uncles or um, larger community families of origin, if you will. The goal of of self-examining this family of origin is to see the way that those patterns are driving us when we don't even know it just become more aware of them that they are real i did operate in those and i continue to operate out of that space sometimes so what does it mean to gain awareness of that then pastor rich invites us to examine our anxieties i tried to model that this morning with the text of the psalms i had an anxiety over the very vitriolic reaction of david's rage and emotions And I tried to scrub those out so you guys wouldn't have to experience them. So Pastor Rich invites us, how do we let our own anxieties drive the way that we operate our lives and with other people? What are we anxious about? And then he invites us to examine our feelings. I think that this can be difficult because I want to acknowledge that we have many different cultures represented here in this worship space. And so... You know, in some cultures, in some spaces, sometimes to show any sign of sadness is to communicate um, weakness or to be ungrateful, right? And others to express anger is frowned upon and ungodly, like there is something wrong with you if you're angry. You know, in, in some churches, in some spaces, in, in some cultures, to show any sign of grief is a sign that one lacks faith or isn't trusting God in the bigger picture, right? That grief is unfaithful. And so consequently, many people learn to avoid, to repress, or to rationalize away difficult feelings as if, oh, I shouldn't be experiencing these, right? And so I pretend that I'm not experiencing them. And this is the point, I I talked to Pastor Joel about this during the week, that I wanted to credit access. And I think that's important since me and my family have been here the last three or four months. I think access is one of the most open churches that I've ever experienced to our feelings, to our anxieties, to naming these things, to being open and sharing about the ways that we have been shaped and the ways that we are feeling, the way that those are driving that and sharing them with our small group people, with, uh, with people in our breakout sessions, with Pastor Joel. And so I really want to credit and, and, and think of this as something that we can build on. Because remember, Pastor Joel set us up that these are kind of the focuses of 2021. How can these drive us as a church, as a people, as a people who relate to each other? And I want to credit access because I think we're already pretty good at this. So I would continue to keep leaning into that, keep supporting each other, keep inviting people to explore these things in safe places, in places where they can grow towards freedom instead of a shame of these experiences, I might say. And I think access is good at this, so lean into this. And then lastly, Pastor Rich invites us to examine our reactions. If some inciting incident happened, if somebody says something to me, why am I reacting to that? Why am I feeling this way 
about that inciting incident. It does not mean that those reactions are wrong. I want to clarify. It's more about just gaining an understanding of why does that incident that's happened make me feel this sort of way? This is something I have to do daily with my kids and parenting. I'm like, why when they did do this, does it make me feel rage and anger? Right? <laughs> like so, and so I have to explore my own feelings. They're, they're just kids, right? <laughs> so like, why do I feel this way? And sometimes it's justified. I want to say that. But I kind of bring that up also because I think David is a good model of these four things, right? Because David is someone who lived a very, very difficult life. He chased and fleed, was on the run from, uh, you know, from the king who literally wanted to kill him. He had these strong feelings towards the king's son, but that was kind of a forbidden relationship. And so in so many ways, he feels betrayed and he feels rejected and he's probably constantly anxious in his running and so david does a lot of really hideous things right one point he becomes an abuser a depending on how you read the story or a a rapist you know and so david does these many traumatic things operating out of these unexamined spaces but david to his credit is also as they say a person after god's own heart And why is that? It's because David always comes back to this space of confession, of repentance, of inviting God into these spaces. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the ways that are everlasting. And so like David, on the backside of self-examination is the invitation of repentance. We admit to God the natural human propensity to rationalize, to deny, and to blame. We all do it. (laughs) And in repentance, we hand over the pretense and the image management, the manipulation, the control, and self-obsession, and we release it. We lay down our ability to change by the power of the self And we turn to Jesus and we seek forgiveness. And so I think it was last week, um, Pastor Joel invited us to consider the ways that women of color had shaped us and had led us and um, and had helped us grow in discipleship and in the ways of the faith in our lives. And one of the things that I reflected on was the deep way that I was formed by my um, preaching professor, Dr. Jennifer Brooks at, uh, at Garrett Northwestern Center before I transferred to, to, North, to North Park. But um, she would always tell us, she would say, and people would finish these sermons, she'd say, where's the good news? What's the good news? Where's the good news? It's like, I hear you unpacking the theology. That's all nice and good. Where's the good news for us this morning? So we close in the spirit of Dr. Jennifer Brooks with the good news. The good news is that God is not anxious about the messy things that we are trying to hide from ourselves, others, and from God. The good news is that the more we are honest with ourselves, the things that we have going on internally, how those were formed and the way that they the ways that they drive us to act and behave, the more deep our relationship with God will be the more we will be open to loving ourselves and others better. 
the more we become capable of working towards peace with our neighbors, the more we become better stewards of justice in our society, and the better we become at love for those we previously considered enemies. And so that's the good news for us this morning. The more that we are open and begin to open ourselves to self-examination and to hand those things in repentance to God, the more we press into that life-giving relationship and become beacons of this good news for others around us. So, Pastor Joel, 